Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. First John chapter 3. First John chapter 3. All right. Listen, I haven't preached in like a week or two, so I'm like raring to go. You raring to go? Yes, yeah, so raring to go out the door. Now, let me tell you what you're going to get on the way out the door today. I bought cupcakes today. Okay, my mother's birthday. I wanted you to all have something because of it. You're getting a cupcake today because of her birthday, all right? So make sure you grab them on the way out the door. Hopefully, Isaac will be able to make it through the sermon without needing one. I used to look for a girlfriend for him in here, but he found one, so we don't need to find him a girlfriend now. I've been doing a series for weeks now about sonship. The fact of the matter is, we must get into our lives the power of what it means to be a son of God. And we have done a number of messages. We've talked about the repentant son. We talked about the forgiving son. We talked about the created sons. And Isaac just said that his sisters need girlfriend, boyfriends. So do you want to stand and so they know who we're looking for? All right. So sonship is an identity that we must understand. It is not just an identity, but how many know it's a position? And it's a position that we operate from. It's a position that we live from. It's a position that we work from. And it's a position that we, we speak from. It's a position from which we flow into and through life. And so I want to talk to us a few minutes this morning. On a, I kind of gave it a, a weird title, but you'll see where we're going in just a moment. It's called Practicing Sons. All right? Practicing Sons. You say, why the word practicing? Well, I'll get to it in a moment, but how many know... What you practice, you will get good at. Right? I, I love to golf. Many of you know I like to golf. What makes me a better golfer is playing golf. All right? I don't become a better golfer by playing Tiger Woods golf on the um, TV. Right? I do it because I go out and I play and I practice. And when things get messed up, I go to the range and I work on things. And I'm a better golfer today at 54 than I was 20 years ago at 34. All right? But the point is, that's not quite the word practicing we're talking about, but you'll see where we're going in just a moment. So I want to talk to you for a few moments on this subject. I want you to get it into your spirit today that we're talking about this whole aspect of sonship and talking about. So John writes, he says, see how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called the children of God. And such we are. Let's stop right there. God loves you so much that he's willing to call you his son. You know, there's some people in my life I don't want to call my son. <laughs> Come on. I mean, there are some people you would not, you would, there's some people you say, I wish they were my son. There's other people going, I don't know about that. God loved us enough that he calls us his son. Let me talk to you for a moment about this. He said, for this reason the world does not know us and because it did not know him. The greatest title you can ever have in your life is to be called a son of God. It's better than being called pastor. It's better than being called dad. It's better than being called president, congressman, whatever title you want to give. The greatest title in your life is to possess the title son of God. And how do we become sons of God? Everybody remember? We become sons of God. How? By going to church, right? All right. At least somebody was listening. 
That section over there, I'm not sure what happened, Tyrone section. You got displaced out of your seats a little bit and you dropped the ball on me. Okay? By the way, I'm just letting you all know that's the Tyrone section behind you. All right? You become a son of God, the Bible says very clearly, by what Jesus did on the Calvary's cross, by faith. When you come to him in faith, you become a child of God. And when you become a child of God, the Bible says he gives you that title. And so again, the greatest title you can ever possess is son of God. I don't know about you, but that gives me great hope. My identity is not wrapped up in pastor, although I enjoy pastoring. My identity is not wrapped up in just being a husband, although I enjoy being a husband. And next few weeks, nursemaid. You see, identity from God means I don't need the world's identity. There's a lot of people trying to get their identity in this world from the things of this world. All right? The, the, how many know that if you watch television long enough, how many of you know that they'll try to shape who you are? Commercials try to shape who you are. Television will try to shape an identity for you. All right? But John says in 1 John 3, he says that he would, we would be called the children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. All right? And so this greatest title, the Son of God, means that I don't need the world's identity. Identity with God makes me foreign to the world. Think about this for a moment. You... How many of you have ever gone to a foreign country, right? And you go to a foreign country, you don't know the language, and you're walking around. How many of you are kind of like a fish out of water? Kind of like when I go camping. I go to camping, and there's all these happy people enjoying camping. Like, like Jim and Jen Davis are up there, and oh, they're just in their glory. This is so wonderful. It's not wonderful. There's no cable. There's no room service. There's nobody making the bed. There's no restaurant. There's no swimming pool. This is not wonderful. I'm not in my element. I'm a foreigner, if you will. Listen to me this morning. Your job as a Christian, your job as a son of God, is not to get your identity from the world. It is to bring your identity into the world. Your job, my job, my calling as a son of God is not to become like the world. It is to be a foreigner in the world. Why am I a foreigner in the world? The reason I'm a foreigner in the world is because the Bible says that my citizenship is where? Heaven. The Bible says I've been born out of this world into the kingdom of God. If I am in the kingdom of God, born out of this world into his world, how many of that makes me a foreigner in this world? Not better than, but different. So now, as a foreigner in this world, I act different than the world does. So now, here's what happens. You hit me, I turn the other cheek. Don't like that scripture. You insult me, I pray for you. You persecute me, the Bible says I love you. You mock me, the Bible says I pray for you. It's a crazy thing we live in. It's a crazy responsibility, is it not? 
The problem, listen to me for a moment. I said this to you a while ago. I taught this a while ago. The problem today in our Christianity, with, especially when it comes to politics, is we're living as an offended church. Everything that the world does offends us. We're all ticked off all the time, but the ungodly are doing ungodly things. Duh. Why are we expecting the godly to act, uh, ungodly to act godly? Why are we expecting them to understand? Why do we expect those who are on the view who don't know Jesus to understand that you can talk to Jesus? Why are we expecting them to understand that? Why are we expecting them to understand that you and I as believers in Christ have a relationship with him? That goes back and forth. So then when they, out of their ignorance, slander one of ours, come against one of ours, we lose our mind and we begin to mock them in return. We begin to insult them in return. We begin to retaliate because we are stuck in an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, Old Testament mentality when we're supposed to be in a turn the other cheek mentality under the new covenant. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? So the identity from God means I don't need the world's identity. The identity with God makes me foreign to the world. Now, watch what John says. Beloved, now we are children of God. Everybody say now. Come on. We are not children of God when we get to heaven. We will. And it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him. Because we will see him just as he is. Hmm. Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not appeared yet as what we'll be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him. Because he will see him just as he is. You see, this destiny, this title, this title that we have, it's a paradigm we live in. As a son, I live in a now, but not yet paradigm. It's a paradigm where I have a status now, a title now, a position now, but yet the fulfillment of it in totality isn't until Jesus comes back. So I kind of got this now but not then paradigm in which I live. Paul said in Romans chapter 8, he said, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. So we live now with an assurance that I'm a son of God. You know what? There's one thing I know. I'm a hot mess. That much I know. All right, I'm okay with that. Like, really. I'm real comfortable with my own skin. Like, it is what it is. But let me say this to you. There's one thing I know. I'm a son of God. I'm not a son of God because I'm perfect. And all the family said. (laughs) I'm not a son of God because of what I I got it right. I got it perfect. I'm not, I don't make mistakes. I don't mess up. I'm not a son of God because I don't get tempted. I'm not a son of God because I've never sinned. I'm a son of God because I believe in what Jesus Christ did on Calvary's cross. I believe in the, the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. I believe that he died for my sins. I'm a son of God because of that. All right? That's why I'm a son of God. I have assurance of that. There's a witness in my spirit. The spirit of God who lives inside of me witnesses to me that I'm a son of God. All right, why? Because I live in guilt? No, 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 no. How many know that you know you're a son of God when the spirit leads you to repentance? Right? This now but not yet. If you're a child of God, there's an inward 
assurance of this. When you don't have that inward assurance, what it'll lead you to? It'll lead you to legalism. It'll lead you to works-based religion where I got to do this, got to do this because I, I'm just not feeling saved today. I mean, you know, it's not about your feelings. Am I boring you, Lindsay? You're really looking yawning, tired. You're just, she's back there yawning. It's really an insult to yawn in front of the pastor. I just want you to know. Remember the week you kept texting me? <laughs> Touche. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, one day I'm up here reading the genealogy to get to a point. There was a reason I was reading a genealogy. She bet me I couldn't read that genealogy without laughing. And I knew I could do it, except my phone was blowing up saying, don't laugh, don't laugh, don't laugh, don't laugh, don't laugh. Paybacks. When you don't have the inner assurance that you're a child of God, it will lead you into legalism. It will lead you into self-righteous activity. It will lead you into a works-based mentality. And it will always leave you wanting and wondering, have I done enough? But because of the assurance of the Spirit on the inside, I don't have to perform to be a son. I perform because I'm a son. I mean, there's a big difference. There's a big difference. We don't know the kind of detail we'd like to know about the next world. I mean, I'd like to have it all kind of unraveled that makes sense to you. It doesn't make sense to me. Sometimes I read it, right? But even though I don't have it all, I have enough to know that there's something grand and something glorious that is waiting. And I live in this now but not yet paradigm, all right? And what, listen to me for a moment. But here's something you need to understand. But that the fact that I know that we will be like him in the future should make us pursue being like him in the present. The fact that I know I will be like him in the future should make us pursue being like him in the present. Watch what the scripture says. He said, Beloved, now we are children of God and has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we'll be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. In other words, okay, here's what I know. I know that one day I'm going to be like him in all of his glory. I'm going to be just like him. But in the meantime, in the process, right here, right now, I am to be like him in this world. Some days I am. Some days I'm not so sure. Anybody, have, anybody ever had any unchristlike moments? Okay. Anybody ever had one of those moments in your life where you just say, that just was not like Jesus. That didn't look like him. That didn't sound like him. That didn't smell like him. That wasn't Jesus. You see, the great litmus test in your life is are your actions and your words, do they look and sound like Jesus? Is it the Jesus of the gospel? Sometimes it's not. Watch this. Now what happens? So the scripture says, first of all, the thing I just told you is knowing we will be like him in the future should make us pursue being like him in the present. 1 John verse three, chapter 3, verse 9 says, No one who's born of God practices sin. Hmm. No one who is born of God practices sin because God's seed abides in him. 
and he cannot sin because he's born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. Now, let me say this here. So the Bible is saying, John is saying, that the sons of God and the sons of the evil one are obvious to everybody, that you can see them, right? That you can tell who they are, that they're identifiable, that they're recognizable. How do you recognize them? How do you identify them? Hi, dude. <laughs> how, do you, how does that happen? John clearly says it, right? Okay, let me start with this. First of all, this is how it is. Identification with him causes us to be unidentified with sin. If we're identified with him, how many know we stop being identified with sin, right? Listen to me this morning. I'm gonna say some things and some of you are not gonna like it. The fact of the matter is, since you are a son of God, there are some things in our life that just need to plain stop. Why? So you can get to heaven? No, 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 no. So you can become a son? No, 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 no. Because you are a son. Because you are a son, you need to stop gossiping. Well, boy. Because you are a son, you need to stop lusting. (laughs) Because you are a son, you need to stop hating. Because you are a son, you need to stop being jealous. Because you are a son, you need to stop being envious. Because you are a son, you need to stop being in division. Do I need to keep going? I ran out of things to say. Because you're a son. All right? The standard of your life is not stop sinning so you can get to heaven. The standard of your life is you stop sinning because of who you are. All right? Years ago, years ago, 1999, I started pastoring here as the senior pastor. I started in 98 as an associate. 99, I became the senior pastor. Didn't have any experience. Didn't know what I was doing. Here I am 18, 19 years later. Still don't know what I'm doing. I just do it better. And I can remember one time I was almost tempted. Well, I forget what my kids were doing. One of them was doing something. Who knows? It was probably Tony. All right? And I almost, I come so close to being so stupid where I almost gave them an expectation on their life because I was a pastor. No. The expectation on, my life, on your life from me isn't because I'm a pastor. It's because this is what I expect of my children. If I'm digging ditches, this is what I expect of you. If I'm driving truck, this is what I expect of you. If I'm changing tires, this is what I expect of you. Not because of who I am as a pastor, but because you're my child, you're my son, you're my daughter. And God looks at us and says, because you're my son, because you're my daughter, because you're my child, this is what I expect of you. Now listen to me. And what happens is when you and I refuse to identify with sin... After being identified with him, how many know it's an act of rebellion on our part? It's an act of rebellion. It's rebellion looking at the Father and saying, no, I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it, and I don't care what you say and I don't care what you think. I have a right to be envious. I have a right to be jealous. I have a right to hate. I have a right to be offended. I have a right to this. No, you don't. Ouch. Ouch. And so therefore, because of that, I'm going to hold a grudge the rest of my life. Hello? You're a child of God. The only one that ever held it right, had the right to hold a grudge is God. And if the father doesn't hold a grudge, who are the sons to hold grudges? 
if the father doesn't keep an offense, who are the sons to keep an offense? When you are identified with him as a son, and he gives you the title son, that identification with him causes us to be unidentified with sin. But that identification with him causes us to identify with righteousness. Go with me a little bit farther on down. In verse 10, it says, By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God. And the one who does not love his brother. So there's two things that John says make us obvious that we're sons of God. There's two things that John says that are obvious that make you children of the devil. One is not being, doing righteousness. And the other is not loving your brother, not loving one another. Love and practicing righteousness. Notice that it doesn't say being righteous. How many know I'm not righteous by what I do? The Bible says I become righteous because of, because of Christ, and he covers me in righteousness. But this word practice means do. It means doing righteousness. Sons of the kingdom do righteousness of the kingdom. John says the children of God are obviously recognizable because they will practice righteousness. Not saying because they are righteous, because they practice righteousness. All right? However, we're made righteous by the blood of Jesus. The sons of the kingdom now practice righteousness. In other words, they do righteousness. All right? Listen to me. How do I recognize children of God? Because they all wear dresses. Aren't you glad we're not in that era anymore, ladies? Come on. Can I, just, can I just touch on for a moment some of the things in the past that we have said, this is what you do or this is what you don't do if you're a child of God. All right? Is it, am I able to recognize you as a child of God because you don't have tattoos, because you don't have piercings, because you don't have certain hairstyles? Are you recognized by the certain words that we use and the certain words that we don't use? Now, I've told you a hundred times about Christian cussing. Well, I wasn't sinning. I didn't say that four-letter word. No, you substituted with another four-letter word that meant the same thing, and you're still sinning because all you did was substitute damn with darn. Hello. And so all of a sudden, we've justified it, but our hearts are still the same. Our anger is still the same. Our malice is still the same. We're sinning from our heart, and we're thinking it's okay because I didn't use that word. I mean, there's a bunch of those words we could talk about. We, we define ourselves as children of God because I go to church. Lots of people who aren't saved go to church. We, okay, the point of the matter is we've made, over the course of history, church history, there's been a list of man-made do's and don'ts that make us feel better about us as we compare ourselves to others. We feel better about having a list that I can check off. Okay, I'm a child because I this, I this, I don't this, I this. Come on. You, you might not do all this on this category, but over here, you still hate your brother. You haven't done this, this, and this. But over here, you've still got malice in your heart. You haven't done this, this, and this, but you're still jealous over here. You haven't done this, this, and this, but you're still envious over here. You haven't done this, this, and this, but you're still gossip. You just framed it in a prayer. Oh, boy, it's quiet in here. 
sons of God do righteousness. They aren't just righteous. They do it. All right? I'm gonna get, in, in a few moments, I'm going to show you what it looks like. All right? You see, sons of God practice righteousness. Sons of God, the Bible says, love one another. This whole thing starts with, watch this, watch this, watch this. The whole premise of this chapter starts with this. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that he would call us children of God. God loved us so much that he calls us his children, his sons, his daughters, his sons. And yet somehow we take that title, we receive that love, and somehow we justify not reciprocating it to his other sons and daughters. Why? Is that doing righteousness? Not at all. Listen, I got bad news for you. You ready for the bad news? Ready? You have to love me. (laughs) Yeah, oh well, you're stuck with me. I mean, I know some of you aren't as blessed as my sisters were to have me around, you know. That's when they were supposed to shout amen and jump up and down. I mean, mean, come on. Listen to me. God so loved you that he gave you the title, my son. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen, everybody listen. Who do you think you are not to love his other sons? I'm going to say it again. Who do you think you are? not to love another one of his sons or daughters. How dare you? That is making a mockery of what he did through his son, Jesus Christ, for you and I. It's a mockery. Sons of God practice righteousness. Sons of God love one another. Watch what he says. Verse 11, I want to show you something. Well, this is the message which you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the evil one and slew his brother. So he's comparing those who don't love one another to Cain. Ouch. When you don't love, you're acting like Cain. Cain slew his brother because he was angry that his brother received what he thought he should have received and didn't receive. And because he didn't receive what he thought he should receive, hatred entered into his heart, and that hatred caused him to seek to destroy his brother. There are times in our life where we will see somebody that they will get something we thought we should have gotten, receive something we thought we should have received, we didn't get it, and therefore we may not murder them with a stone, we may not murder them with a knife, but we sure don't want them to succeed. Now watch. Verse 13. Do not be surprised, brothers, if the world hates you. Can I just stop there for a moment? Like, can we stop losing our mind on social media? Like, can we really stop losing our mind on social media 
Because somebody that's ungodly and doesn't know Christ says or does an ungodly or unchristlike thing. Can we return Christ-like words for unchristlike activity? Can we please? Can we just please? Whether it's social media, in the workplace, I don't care where it's at. Can we start shining as sons of God? Can we start shining as sons of God? That, all right? But that's not where I want to go. We know, watch this, verse 14. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Hmm. He who does not love abides in death. Wait a minute. So let me tell you what. Jesus comes to Nicodemus comes to Jesus. They're having a conversation. Jesus said to them, no man can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. Born anew from above. Nicodemus said, how's the man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Right? So here we are. You and I are born into this world. We are born fleshly. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. When I am born anew from above, I am born out of this world's culture into the culture of the kingdom of God. Amen? And the spirit of God takes residence inside of me. Now, what is some of the proof that I'm actually born again? Is there some proof that I'm born again? Yes. Loving one another is proof that sons have died to this world and have been born into that world. My ability to love you, even in spite of you, (laughs) your ability to love me, even in spite of me sometimes, how many of there are days where I'm not as lovable? I know it's hard to imagine. Ask Penny. Well, right now might not be a good time to ask her. Do you want proof? Your proof that you're saved is in your ability to love one another. Bible says I've been born out of death. And I've been born into life. Like, like, have we lost? I I don't understand how we, who are professed born-again believers can walk in an unloving attitude with other people. Never mind the fact that, I mean, you know, this life is a short lifespan. I lost a dad at 58. I lost a son at 28. I wasn't at odds at either one of them. I play, I'm just saying, there's nothing in this world. There's very little in this world. I'm just telling you point blank. I don't give a rip about much stuff. Houses and cars and garbage and junk can go tomorrow. Okay. See ya. See ya. My house can burn down tomorrow. I'll build another one. My car can get wrecked tomorrow. Trust me. My kids wrecked a whole bunch of them. Good Lord, Penny and Nick, Penny and, Nick and Tony, they just destroyed cars. Like, it's just like... One after the other. I only cared about one thing. Was my flesh and blood safe? Was my flesh and blood good? Cars can be replaced. Houses can be replaced. Listen to me this morning. Do you really want to end life at odds with somebody? Really? Is that how you want this thing to end? Do you want to live with the regret of it? I can honestly stand here and tell you today I got no regrets. Oh, no, about, well, I got some regrets, trust me. I'm talking about relationally. The point is, you will know, you will know there's proof 
in your salvation that you're a son of God whenever you love one another. Sons of the kingdom are not righteous because of what they do. They're righteous because of what Christ did. But then they do because of who they are. They are practicing sons of God. They are practicing righteousness on a daily basis. They're doing righteousness. You're not just righteous by the blood of Jesus. You are doing righteousness because of who you are on a daily basis. Simply put, what you practice is what you are. If you practice, listen, if you practice sin, you're a sinner. If you're practicing uh, um, hate, you need to get saved. Like I'm just, I'm just telling you, what you practice is what you are. Remember the old, how many of you remember the Allen Iverson thing? Drew, remember Allen Iverson? Practice, practice, we're talking about practice. He thought he was above practice. He thought he was above everybody else. Listen to me, I'm about ready to quit. quit. Everybody said, oh yeah, sure, now you wake up. This is the message this morning. The message is simple. Who you are is what you are. What you practice is who you are. You can go to church. That doesn't mean you're a son. And, but I'm telling you, there's a proof that you're a son. And the Bible says very clearly, it's those who, do, who practice righteousness who do righteousness. And it's those who love one another. You cannot say you love God and hate your brother. You are the sons of God. You shine in this world. What does it look like? You know, remember this? What does it look like? It looks like turning the other cheek. It looks like Jesus. Have you read the Gospels? Have you seen how Jesus treated the ungodly? Have you read it? If you don't look like Jesus, if it doesn't look and sound like Jesus, it's probably not sonship that's flowing through you. So here's my message, wrapped up in a nutshell, and I'm done. My question to you this, this morning. Are you a son of God? If you're a son of God, how do you know? Your inner spirit will bear witness, yes. But John clearly says that there will be a practice to our life. There'll be a doing to our life. And that doing is righteousness. And that doing is loving. And it all comes from a state of being. Because I'm a son, this is what I do. I don't do to become. Because I became, I now do. Because I will be like him one day, I'm like him now. Father, we just come right now. Father, I pray this message this morning, that in this message, we would be challenged, God. Challenge our heart. It challenges me. Before I preach it to them, you preach it to me. Before I preach it to the people, I preach it to me. And Father, this morning, you're challenging our concepts. You're challenging our, uh, you're challenging our daily activity. You're challenging us that we are sons more than it just being a cliche, more like a Christian thing I say. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. But I would hope this morning that this message would prick our hearts to say, am I? What's the proof? 
What's the fruit of it? What does it look like? Do I love? Do I love? Do I practice love? Do I practice righteousness? Am I a practicing son? So, Father, this morning, take these words, use them in our lives, mold us, shape us, chisel away at us, make us look like you. You are the standard of what we're to look like. Your son is the standard of who we're to look like. Your son is the standard of what it is to love. So, Father, today, we commit ourselves to being practicing sons. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Get a cupcake on the way out unless Isaac ate them all. All right? But love you guys. Get a song you can close with. Close with a song.